winning became such a relief and there was really the joy had kind of gone away. Welcome to Hoop Nerds with Billy Kegler, presented by the Wisconsin Basketball Coaches Association. We talk to coaches, athletes, and more to learn from their stories and apply learning lessons to improve each individual and stimulate growth for your program, team, staff, and self. Follow along as we explore success and failure en route to improving the game of basketball. Before we jump in today, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. I've been associated with their products for a few years now, and I'm really impressed by their innovative and user-friendly shooting machines. They also are great people with tremendous customer service. It's no wonder why they have become the preferred choice among top programs around the country and world. I'm very grateful for their support of the show. Make sure to check them out at drdishbasketball.com and at drdishbball on social media. Be sure to mention WBCA when ordering your next Dr. Dish to save an extra $300 off any commercial purchase. Travis Diener, welcome to the Hoop Nerds podcast. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Well, let's start with sharing with our audience your journey through life briefly and how it's led you to where you are right now. Well, I think the easy answer is I always felt at a young age I was going to be involved in basketball it's for, for my whole life, whether that was playing. Uh, I, I thought I'd play for – I thought I'd play through high school and that would be it, and then I'd get into coaching and whatnot. But I've always had an extreme passion for basketball. You know, grew up in a – you know, hoop centric, uh, family, uh, you know, went to Fond du Lac high school or went to Goodrich high school, now Fond du Lac high school, um, played with a bunch of cousins, played for my uncle in high school, you know, had a lot of, uh, a lot of team success, made the experience, you know, enjoyable. When I was a young kid, I always felt like playing for my uncle and, and watching those teams play, being the, the water boy, it, it, that was the NBA to me. Like I felt when I got to high school, you know, and there was a couple thousand people in the stands and there was, you know, 6,000, 6, 7,000 people at a sectional final game. You know, I felt like that was the pinnacle for me and that was going to be it. Um, as you start having more success, you know, colleges become interested. And uh, fortunately enough, I got, you know, a scholarship to play at Marquette, had a great run there and, um, you know, played prof professionally for a number of years and just stopped, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, mostly due to the pandemic and, uh, shut the season down. So, uh, you know, last couple of years been training kids, open up my, uh, open up a new sports complex here in Mequon. So that's been full throttle. It's been great. Uh, just giving the kids a chance to giving kids chance in different opportunities to grow and develop, you know, some of the different things that we didn't have uh, when we grew up. So you, you glossed over the Marquette piece here real quick. And obviously you guys had success there with final four run. And I, I want to kind of correlate to when you were a kid, like you thought high school was the NBA. I'm curious a moment when you were at Marquette, then when you realized, hey, there's another level I can go beyond this, that this is not my end game. Do you recall that at all? Yeah, I do. Uh, pretty vividly because it was asked, it was asked of me when I was after the final four, they asked me if I was going to declare for the NBA draft. And as maybe as dumb of a question as it was at the time it had other people thinking that so in the back of my mind um it became a real 
dream of mine. Like, okay, now I'm this close to it. And I think Coach Green always had a vision for me that maybe I didn't see in myself. And he, he does that with a lot of his players. So I think his vision, uh, the, the belief that he had that he could get the most out of me, um, ultimately led me to, you know, having you know a, a really fun and enjoyable four-year career and uh, led me to getting drafted. So then when you were in the NBA throughout your career, was there a moment then where you were like, wow, I'm actually here? Like, what was your welcome to the NBA moment, if you will, to steal a phrase from Vince Carter when he had? Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of them, to be honest. I, my, my, one of my favorite college players when I was growing up was, was Steve Francis. And he, he was the first person I saw when I, I got drafted by Orlando Magic and Steve Francis was on that team. And he was the first guy I met when I flew down there at, for, for my inductory, uh, my first press conference. So that was a kind of a surreal moment. And then, you know, the first time like playing like a guy like Allen Iverson, he's guarding me. And, uh, you know, there's a million of those, those experiences, especially for me, for, for a guy that never really thought about playing against, you know, the best players in the world to go against a guy like Iverson, to go against Kobe and, you know, LeBron and, and all these guys, uh, you know, there's moments throughout my five years in the NBA where, you know, you look back and you reflect. And I reflect now more so than when I was in it uh, of, you know, how cool that really was. So I'm curious if now that you've had some time to reflect after playing, if you can identify a trait or a few characteristics of yourself that you think helped you continually attain success beyond your beliefs. Well, I, I think there's got to there was a certain a certain mentality, a certain mental toughness. You know, when you're six feet and, you know, 175 pounds, it's not the prototypical NBA uh, look. And, you know, there's a lot of doubters. There's guys that test you and test you athletically, physically, all those things. Because, you know, most of the time I was probably one of the worst athletes on the floor, even though <laughs> around my peers or around people that I grew up with, I was the best athlete. So it's uh, I think just having a certain mentality, a certain belief in myself, uh, I was always, I always bordered when I, when I played basketball, I think I bordered on the, uh, on the line of, you know, confidence and arrogance. And I think you have to have that with, with where I, I was coming from. And I always believed, even when I was in college and I was playing against, you know, when I was practicing with and against Dwayne, you know, I always felt I was the best player on the floor and, that wasn't true, but in my mind, that's how I felt. And I was going to do whatever I could to help my team win. And I think that's the one quality that has gotten me uh, to have such a long career is just my, my self-belief in my, in what I can, what, what I can do on a basketball court. All right. I'm going to get off, off track for a bit. I'm going to be greedy. So TBT, I'm a big fan of TBT have been since the beginning and I've stolen a few things that they do in some of the events that I run. You hit a game winner to win. It was a million dollars that year. It was the quarantine year. Talk me through that process, your preparation for that moment at the end of the game, knowing what is on the line and how valuable it was for you and your teammates. Yeah, I, th I think with experience, you become a lot more at peace with how it's going, maybe calmer. So the year before we lost in the championship for $2 million, and we – we we kind of unraveled. Uh, we we had some turnovers late. Uh, maybe weren't ready for that moment. In the year, the next year, it was the first time, and I've 
I've told people this is the first time maybe in my life that I, I've before the game even started, I knew we were going to win. And I, I've known we were going to win against it growing up against bad teams or that, that was not, I'm talking about a game where it was literally probably a coin flip. I just had a real belief we were going to win that game. And it, it carried through that, that final shot, you know, in the, you know, on the way down the court, I asked, I, I turned the bench and I asked him if they're ready to win some money. So I just had a feeling that, you know, we were going to win the game. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to be open and, and take the shot, but I just felt like a, a certain calm about that game that I'd, I'd never felt before. Maybe that's just with age. Maybe that was, you know, a lot of years of playing, but I felt good about our team. I felt good about our chemistry or togetherness. And I felt like we deserved to win that year more so than we deserved to win the year before. Well, I can tell you watching it live, I somehow had this feeling and knew that you were going to get the shot. So when it was in your hands, I knew it was over. And fortunately for me, that was the year they allowed the fans to like, not bet, but like place on who they're going to win. So you won me some money too. So thank you. Now I'll, I'll thank you for that in person. Um, all right. So let's talk about coaching a little bit. Cause you know, you have had a brief stint at Marquette with some player development stuff, and now you're doing some training stuff as, as you mentioned earlier, so tell me about a basketball theory or idea that you had when you were younger that now over time and with new information that you've been presented, you've changed your mind about. Well, I, I, that's hard. I think the game, the game evolves and changes so much. You know, back in, back in my day, it was more, uh, you know, you were, you were going to the getting dropped off at the gym and you were playing four on four or five and five. And there's a group of kids there, older kids, younger kids, whatever. And you just constantly played. I think nowadays, uh, you know, these kids are so skilled and so creative with the ball and, and what they could do. It's, it's not the same. They're doing stuff that I couldn't do that. I never even tried to do or was allowed to do because of just the, how much people in, in, have evolved in basketball. So I think it's more so now of a combination of you still have to have that ability to play the game and read situations, have a high IQ, but people are transit transitioning now to, you know, everyone has their own skills trainer, their own strength guy, their own, whatever. Um, and I think we just got to accept that as much as I hate it. I do, I do some of that. And I don't think necessarily everyone needs a, a personal trainer. I don't, I mean, I just, I still think in the back of my mind that kids need to play and compete because at the end of the day, you know, you can look so good and, and I've seen it a million times. You can look so good in a one on O setting where you, you can shoot the ball really well. You can handle, you can do all these certain moves, but what happens when you get, you know, you get punched in the mouth or what happens when you have to make a decision um, or understand time and score and I think you only get those things by actually competing and playing and understanding, going through those experience. I think nowadays we kind of get away from that a little bit, but I totally understand it. And, and the creativity that these kids have and these guys, these pros have is, is absolutely uh, mind blowing for me to watch. As many listeners know, I spent over six years as a general manager at Just the Game Fieldhouse in Wisconsin Dells. I was able to spend time talking hoops with coaches like Tom Izzo, along with high school and youth coaches, in addition to meeting some basketball legends, including my childhood favorite, Sam Elke, who is in the WBCA Hall of Fame and High School Basketball Museum, located at Just the Game Fieldhouse, which is a must-visit for any true hoop nerd. They also play host to the WBCA All-Star Games and Coaches Clinic every year. 
Just a Game hosts over 70 basketball and volleyball tournaments annually and is a great place to play for teams of all ages and ability levels. You can't beat all Wisconsin Dells has to offer in your free time. The Fieldhouse also has two sister companies in Just a Game Impressions and Just a Game Live. Just a Game Impressions specializes in customized screen printing and embroidery and promotional products. They serve businesses, schools, sports teams, and more. Just a Game Live takes pride in providing affordable and simple live streaming solutions for venues or programs of all kinds. Inquire today for more information. For more info on everything Just a Game has to offer, check them out at justagamefieldhouse.com. Sideline Interactive delivers digital and LED scoring tables and video boards that generate excitement in your gym and the ultimate game day experience for your players and fans. We provide you the blueprint and the game plan to generate $10,000 or more in sponsorship revenue every year. 95% of our schools generate enough advertising dollars during the first school year to pay for their purchase. Any school or college can qualify for no fee, no interest financing over two school years. We're ready and able to deliver your order to you within three to four weeks. The tables and boards can be used for any indoor sport, as well as watching game films, school assemblies, signing days, or any other event that is held in your gym. Visit sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a 15 to 30 minute live web demo to see our tables and boards in action and what these fantastic products can do for you. Or email sales at sidelineinteractive.com. A link to sidelineinteractive.com is in the show notes for today's episode. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So you hit a buzzword there for me with being competitive and competing. So I'm curious with you, whether you're playing checkers with your kids or, you know, playing horse at the gym now. When you're competing, are you driven by the fear of losing or are you driven by the joy of winning whatever that competition is? Yeah, I mean, that's an easy one for me. That's that's. You know, I hate losing, um, winning. And it was part of the reason I retired, you know, when I was, I retired first when I was 32 is winning became such a relief and there was really the joy had kind of gone away. Cause we had done so well and this was overseas. We had done so well. We had done things that the club had never done before, but then as that happens, you know, you lose that kind of joy for winning. And it's something that's always been a problem of mine. I've never, um, really was truly happy with when I was happy, but it goes away so fast. And then when you lose, you kind of sit there and reflect on that for so much longer. And it, it was really um, affected me and in, in my life. And uh, it's something that's so, I mean, when I compete today and whatever it is, if I go on golf or if I play pickup basketball, I still have that same competitive spirit. Uh, I hate losing. I think as you get older and you have kids, it, it gets better. You know, you, you realize that, you know, you're still going home to something that means more than, than the game of basketball. But, you know, the fear of losing has always driven me and I don't think they'll ever, ever change. Yeah. I, all the ultimate competitors have, they have that same sentiment. And I think it's a struggle for everybody to try to find that balance because we know we should have the joy, but it's fleeting really quickly for, for all of us. So now that you're coaching, I'm curious, whether it's individually or as a team base, what's the one thing that you provide to individuals or team that you think makes the biggest, biggest positive impact for them? Well, I think this is easy. And I think this is, uh, I don't think I, I, I think I get a lot better at it, but I think this is true with any coach is the ability to uh, build a meaningful relationship and, and be able to, to communicate. And that, that could be with, 
my daughter's fourth grade team, or that could be with professionals, you know, no kids and, and, and players, the great players, they want to be coached and they want to be coached hard because they know that it's, it's going to be hard to get to where they want to go. And if you can be honest and open and just have a belief in them, but tell the truth and they know that it's coming from the right place to build that meaningful relationship. And it takes time and effort, but I think that's the most uh, positive thing you can do for, for kids, for, for your players is work on work much more on building relationships and communicating with kids than you are with X's and O's and all that stuff. Well, that's important. You know, a lot of people run the same stuff, you know, basketball is in my eyes, a very simple game. And, you know, the coaches that try to complicate it, you know, they run in trouble. And I think, I think relationship building communication and open and honest, constructive criticism and being hard on kids, kids need to be coached and they need to be told the, the hard truths that, that other people aren't going to tell them. So can you give me an example of, of a time in your career where you learn from one of your coaches how to build an effective relationship that you've been able to carry over to be able to do this with your teams? Well, I, I think I've been very fortunate to, to play for, I mean, just to start with my uncle, who obviously we already had a meaningful relationship because he was my uncle and I saw him every day anyways. But so that one was easy. But I saw the way he built the high school program. And that was with you know, he was tough, but he was fair and he was open and honest and, and communicated well. And, you know, what he did so well was he on the court was this tough, hard nosed guy as a coach. And then once he once he got off the court, he could separate it. And I, I was so amazed by that because I, I have a troubles with that. You know, he would be a totally different guy off the court, joking, funny, uh, engaging, but on the court, a real, you know, could be a real prick. and. Uh, so I, I learned a lot from that. And then as I, you know, I, I spent seven years in Italy playing for a coach and we built this, this really good rapport and a good relationship. And he was always honest with me and, you know, his, his, his demeanor was so much different than mine. He was really laid back and I'd get mad at him for not being harder on me, on our team. And so it was kind of, it was good, but, you know, I've always been, at my most successful and I've been around coaches that I've had really meaningful relationships with. It was the same in high school. It was the same in college and my seven years in Italy. Um, it was like that. And I think as a point guard, that's what, that's what I wanted for my personality is I needed somebody that, that knew that they were going to be, give me the reins to be a leader and, and try to, you know, be the extension of, of what they wanted as, as a coach. All right, well, I'm going to get you out of here on two more fun questions. First, like I got to know about Europe. So playing in Italy, what's the craziest thing you saw when you were playing in Europe? Because I've heard some doozies of stories from people who played overseas with random things happening in the crowd and locker room situations. So, so I know you got a gem for me. Yeah, I mean, over there, it's a different. It's it's different. It's um, it's fun, exciting. I I rival it to a really good high school or a really good college game. Uh, fans are really passionate. So we, uh, we played in Euro cup and we were going to uh, Belgrade, Ser Serbia to play a really good Serbian team. And they're telling everyone's saying like, this is the best environment to play basketball. And, and, and they were lying. It was 15, 15,000 people from an hour before the game, just chants, team chants, whatever they're chanting. 
I mean, the, the funny part is we walk in probably an hour and a half before the game and there's probably 150 armed guards, you know, AK-47s. And uh, in, 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 we were kind of taken – I was taken aback by it because I, I had seen, like, officers at games before, but not, like, what felt like the Army was there. And it ended up being an incredible experience, uh, one of the best environment, probably the best environment I've ever played in. But to see that – some of the other experiences, yeah, you're getting batteries thrown at you, stuff like that. You have the protective stuff over your bench. Uh, fortunately, I never was – I never feared really anything too crazy. That that game was as far as, as it's gone as far as just the the personnel that was there and, and heavily armed people. That sounds like a soccer environment with the chants and the crowd. Yeah, it was – It was the, the it was like 30 minutes, 45 minutes before the game. The chants, it was so loud. It was – it was really fun as an opposing players uh, in the game ended up being like, like one of, I think the highest scoring game ever in, in Euro cup history. I mean, it was a, just a shootout. It was a fun game. We lost, so it didn't work out very well. Isn't it funny that we always remember the losses more than we oh, do yeah, I, sometimes? That was, wasn't good. <laughs> All right. Non-basketball related question to get you out of here with. If you could have one superhero power, what would it be and what would you do with that superhero power? Well, I think as an athlete, you want the, the, uh, the, that power to be maybe to be maybe invulnerability, you know, you know, you can't be hurt you can't be, you know, nothing phases you physically. You can't be damaged. Uh, you know, if you can't be damaged physically, your mind is probably really strong as well. So as an athlete, maybe the ability not to to feel pain, to feel any sort of emotion, um, you know, just that feeling of, you know, you are indestructible. So I think I'd go with, with that one. Maybe that's not the normal of being able to fly or invisible. But I think that as an athlete, you know, I've dealt with some injury, not nothing major, but maybe that ability never to to feel anything or get hurt. Yeah. I love that answer, and it, it'll work good for any case, whether you're an athlete or not, right? That that mental part of it is huge. Well, Travis, thanks for making the time to come on the Hoop Nerds and share with us. Hey, no problem. I appreciate you having me.